everyone, welcome to another episode of Broadway Brains. I hope you're doing great. In this episode, I interviewed Amy Kokorin, and she is a girl director, and that's so awesome. And she's done a lot of great stuff, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Lucy. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How has your day been? So far, so good. I actually have a little girl named Lucy also. (laughs) So it's a good name. Yeah. So (laughs) any things you've been up to during quarantine? Oh, let's see. I've been working on some projects, trying to keep some musical theater development going, things like that. Um, And we've been distance learning, which I'm sure you have as well. Mm And my husband is an ER doctor, so he's been in the middle of that. So I guess just like everyone, just trying to stay sane and safe, all that sort of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Where are you staying for quarantine? Well, we were in New York City, and now we're in Kansas City. Cool. Yeah, where are you? I am in Southern California. Oh, Cool. I've actually worked at La Jolla quite a bit. Yeah. I don't think it's near where I am, but I, when I was looking over, I saw that you. Did, are you near like LA? Um, no, I'm in Palm Springs. Okay, cool. Very cool. So have you been to Broadway a lot, New York? Yeah. When I, in 2016, I had like a short stint there. I stayed there for like five months. So I didn't technically live there, but, like, I spent the summer there. were you in the show? Uh, No, I wasn't. I was just watching a lot of the show. Cool! That sounds like a fun thing to do. Yeah, it was. And I frequently visit there, so more frequently than I actually thought I visited. But then when I looked over it, I was like, huh, pretty frequent. Actually, there quite a bit. Awesome! (laughs) Very, very cool. Yeah. So... You ready to start? Yes, ma'am. I'm ready to start. Yeah, so could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Amy Corcoran, and I'm a director. I mostly do musicals. I mostly do new musicals. And I, um, I started out as a performer. Then I switched to being a choreographer. And then someone one day said, you should be a director. But here's the crazy part. I didn't know any female directors, so I didn't think about it. Um, but then I, um, switched into directing and have never looked back. So what was a more deep dive into the process of becoming a director? Oh, sure. A more deep dive is, um, I had started to, through choreography, work with directors more closely myself and started to dig into scripts, things like that. And I really, so my undergraduate degree is actually in psychology and music, so not theater. Um, And I started to really, when I started to really think about directing, I realized I really didn't know that much about history and literature of theater. So I actually decided to go back to grad school and I got my MFA in directing because I'm sort of a type A personality and I wanted to make sure I knew as much as I could about theater history and I had a couple of really good professors there who taught me about 
script analysis and things like that. So then after grad school, I started to assist a lot um, on some bigger projects with some pretty great directors and then sort of forged my own path. Yeah. So a question I had is because actors, they auditioned for shows. What gets you to direct or choreograph a show? That's a really good question. It's really hard actually to get work as a director and younger directors always ask me that. How do you get work? And most of the time we get work through recommendations through people who've worked with us before. So like you said, it's not quite as easy as going to an audition and wowing them, right? So it's most often through people who I've worked with before recommending me for jobs. And so I try to pay it forward the same way and do that for other people. Um, And also, you know, sometimes people write to me and say, hey, have you worked with this person? I'm looking at hiring them. So doing a good job is always important, right? Just like in anything, because that's how you get the next job and the next job and the next job. But when I was right out of school and I was trying to get a hold of some more fancy, famous directors because I wanted to assist them, I would just try to guess what their email addresses were if they worked in a theater. Sometimes it was wrong. Sometimes it was right. I think I found Bart Shears that way because he was working at a theater in Seattle at the time. I just guessed and kept guessing and... And a lot of times they never responded and sometimes they did. In fact, Bart did, but um, that's sort of, you know, you just had to be a little scrappy, I think, and get clever. Yeah, I think that's so, um, that's so unique because I would do, that be something me and my friends would do. We would just like guess them. And sometimes Gmail, they show you like the photo of someone's registered. And if we see the photo, we're like, oh, that's, that's smart. person. But we never like actually email them because we're like, oh, what happens if it's not? I guess if it's not, they just don't respond. Or maybe mm-hmm. no loss, right? Yeah. So what did you learn from your first few shows that when you were assisting that benefits you now when you're like full on pledge directing? Um, one of the things I learned the most from the person who I would call my mentor, his name is Mark Rucker and he's no longer with us, unfortunately. He died a few years ago, but I realized that you don't have to know, you don't have to give every single note right away. Sometimes it's better if you let the actors find it themselves as opposed to just throwing them everything. And there was a time where I thought there was something an actor was doing. And I thought, oh my gosh, why is Mark letting them do that? They keep doing it. They keep doing it. They keep doing it. And I said to Mark, I said, don't you see that they're doing this? And he said, Amy, of course I see it, but they're going to discover it on their own. And it's going to be all the better if they do that, as opposed to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop noticing it. If they don't ever get there, I'll give the note. But it was a really, really good lesson in letting the actors find their way so that it's more organic for them. Learning how to sit back and be a little patient. Yeah, I think that's really important because sometimes you can have like a director who's really pouncing on you and that benefits sometimes, but sometimes you feel like you need to like figure it out a little on and because you feel like maybe there's something you could explore more, but then you're like afraid like because they already told you to do something. I never want my actors to feel afraid to explore. I always say that at the beginning there it's, I always want it to be a safe space for exploration because a lot of time, but I have a motto in my room as a director and I say the best idea wins the best idea wins. And I say that from the beginning of designer chats to all the way through tech with everything with actors, musicians, the best idea wins. 
So sometimes that's not my idea, right? Sometimes it's someone else's idea and that's great if it's their idea. My job is to recognize what the best idea is, but it may not be to come up with the best idea. And that to me is being a good director. Mm-hmm. What, do you have any like criteria when you're asked to go onto a show? Like, do you have any preferences or do you like only do new musicals? That is a good question. About four or five years ago, I decided I would only do new musicals. That was something that was really important to me because I really believe in doing stories that haven't been told yet. There are so many cool stories and a lot of stories that are women and people of color, people who don't have a lot of resources, just different stories that we don't know yet. And so I decided I was only doing new musicals and I would only do stories about people who are underrepresented in musicals. Yeah, so putting on that criteria, could you give some examples on shows that you did that uh, fit that criteria? Of course. Um, I'm working on a show right now called Bangin' It, which is about a young woman who's biracial. She's half South Asian and half white, and she um, is trying to find her way as a young college student. So she's on a Bangra team, and she also is trying to honor her mom, who did classical um, Indian dance. So that story is really important to me because there are not a lot of stories about the biracial experience in America or probably anywhere, honestly. Um, biracial experience is totally underrepresented in musicals and on stage. And also there are not a lot of musicals about South Asian culture or experiences. And I always like stories about women, of course. Um, no surprise there. So um, banging it really is important to me for a lot of reasons. Um, another show that I've been working on recently, um, I worked on Unexpected Joy both off-Broadway and in London, and it was about four women, three different generations. So I like to do stories that are maybe a little unusual in the sense of, oh, I've never seen a musical about that. If, if we've never seen a musical about it, I probably will at least take the meeting. <laughs> yeah, because also it's scheduled for like the 2021 season. So, and it's also for two theaters. So how does that work? So do you pack up your set or is it two different? Sets? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, so it's a, what's called a co-production. So we'll start it at La Jolla. The set will be built at La Jolla and then it will go to the McCarter whenever we get our new dates for the McCarter, because of course COVID is causing all sorts of drama, isn't it? Um, it will go to the McCarter Theater and um, it will be the same set. We'll probably have to make a few adjustments and adaptations for that theater, but the costumes will be the same. The cast will be the same. Um, it will mostly be the same. We'll make some changes probably in between those productions, things that we want to fix. Um, because the La Jolla production will be the world premiere. Yeah, and I think that's also really great because how you're saying it was a new musical, it's going to be like the world premiere, which means like it's going to be the first time really anyone's going to see it who isn't part of the production. It's really exciting stuff. Yeah, so speaking of, when I was researching, it said it had won a Richard... Rogers Award in 2019, but how does that work if it hasn't, it's getting its world premiere? So the Richard Rogers Award, um, as well as a lot of other writing awards, are for shows that are in development. 
it wants to, the Richard Rogers Award, like wanted to acknowledge a musical that was on its way to production. So oftentimes those shows, sometimes they've had maybe small productions or some workshops or some labs, which we had had for Bangin' It, but we didn't have um, a full production. Obviously we haven't had one yet. It'll be next summer. But the Richard Rogers Awards and other awards like that, they honor shows that are, they believe will be really successful and are important shows. Yeah, and I think that's so great because when I was researching, I read like the storyline and I think it's really great because I've read a lot of books and heard a lot of stories about these like people who they like biracial, but then they don't know where they stand because one doesn't like them. Yeah, it's got to be a really complicated experience. I'm not biracial, but I'm learning a lot from our writers who are and our lead actress, Ari, who's attached to the show. She's also a writer um, and she is biracial. So I'm learning a lot about her experience because like you said, it's very, sometimes it's very complicated. What world am I supposed to be in? And the answer is you should be able to be in both, but we have to fight harder for that as society to welcome people into both sides. Yeah, one thing that kind of adding on about how you're not kind of the main character, which I think is really important to say, is how do you learn from that and how do you like do stuff from while learning because you're not it? Yeah, I think that's important for directors all the time, right? Because oftentimes we're telling stories that are not our specific experience. So what I do is I really listen. I really ask a lot of questions. Anyone who works with me always says that's, if anyone says, what does Amy like to work with? They say, oh, she asks a lot of questions. Because I ask a lot of questions of writers. Um, when I'm working on a new piece, oftentimes we work for you know a few years before we actually get to bring it in front of an audience. And so I constantly ask questions. What is, what do you want from this moment? What does this character want? What are we trying to accomplish? What's the relationship here? Writers get sick of me sometimes, I think, because I ask a lot of questions. And same when I, so when there's a moment and I want to make sure it's authentic, I, I go around the room and I figure out who has that experience and how we can make it the most real experience possible for an audience. Yeah. What do you think is the most challenging part about directing a piece like um, I think the most challenging part about directing is sometimes as many, as much, my favorite thing about directing for sure is collaboration. It's my favorite thing because there are all these people who are really good at a lot of things I'm not good at, right? Set design and music direction. And everyone's really great at their job and we bring them all together. But sometimes it's, hard because everybody has an idea and sometimes what I was just talking about earlier deciding which idea is best for the show to tell the story that the writers wanted to tell sometimes that's the hardest part of my job because sometimes it can be a little bit lonely because you ask 10 people and 10 people think different things so you have to take all that in plus then there's producers and all these other people have ideas and you have to figure out what the best thing is so sometimes it's a little bit lonely even though there are lots of people around you. Yeah, and then what do you think your favorite part about it is? It's definitely the collaboration, for sure. My favorite thing. And that's one of the reasons I mostly do musicals, because I love how many people it takes to put on a great musical, or any musical, but I prefer to only work on great ones. <laughs> I think most people would. 
but just the number of people it takes to make that happen. And I think sometimes people don't realize that, right? How big a music team is. Sometimes music teams can have 12 people before we even get the orchestra involved. So I think that's for sure my favorite part is all the great fun people I get to. Yes. One thing now that we kind of touched you about being director, I wanted to talk a little bit about you being a choreographer and how did that kind of sprout out of you? So I have been in theater since I was a little kid and I did a lot of dance and I did drill team in my high school. Do you have drill team? Is that something that? I don't think so. No, it's kind of like a dance team or yeah, you do dances uh, mostly at like basketball games, football games, stuff like that. So I did drill team and I was the captain of my drill team, which means you choreograph. And I was really, really, I mostly did tap. So I mostly did, I mostly choreographed tap shows and I don't actually choreograph so much anymore, honestly. And, and I really like musical staging. So I'm really into transitions and how the show moves and those sorts of things. But honestly, I don't choreograph so much myself anymore because if I did choreograph, I would miss out on another collaborator. Because if I directed and choreographed, I wouldn't have that person. But when I don't choreograph, or when I, yeah, I have a choreographer, so I have another extra fun person to help me tell the story. And there are certain shows I could never be the choreographer, like Banging It. I would be terrible at choreographing Banging It. That's not for me to do. Yeah, so kind of building on that, what are some shows like you like to choreograph or what styles? Oh, great question. I like anything that's sort of more musical staging based. Um, I had a really good time, one, although I couldn't, I don't think I could do it anymore, but I did choreograph Crazy For You one time, a long time ago, and I had a great time, but it was like a 50 person cast and we did it in two weeks and I think I'm too old for that now. But those are probably the, I really liked choreographing tap shows a lot. Yeah, what type of styles of dances did you train as? I trained in jazz. I did a little bit of ballet. Wasn't very good at ballet. Didn't really like ballet. It was a little too slow for my personality, I think. So um, I took some ballet, jazz, mostly tap, and then um, like musical theater styles. That's what I trained in. Yeah. What do you think is your favorite thing to kind of incorporate when you're thinking about the choreography? Props. I love props. <laughs> I love props. I love, I love how the props can help tell the story. Um, and I like anything, I like anything theatrically that we can do on stage that TV and film can't do. There's so many things they can do that we can't do on stage, but there are so many things we can do that are cool on stage that are not so great for TV and film. So I like things that are very theatrical. Yeah, one thing I find kind of cool is being a director and a choreographer, it's both kind of envisioning things of what it's gonna be. Absolutely, and I think my experience as a choreographer in my past really helps me be a better communicator with my choreographer because I can speak in their language and that's helpful when we have conversations. And I also have very clear visions of the way I want the piece to move. And then they can help um, together, we can collaborate on that. Yeah, so kind of wrapping up, what is one piece of advice you'd give to an aspiring director? 
or a choreographer? Um, I would say ask to be in the room. So what I mean by that is if there's a director that you like or choreographer you like, they're I would say, ask if you can observe, ask if you can sit in the room and, and see how they work. Because being brave is so important to being a director and finding your own voice is really important. And the way I found my own voice was working in a lot of other people's rooms or observing a lot of other people's rooms. So I would say, just be brave, write letters to people. Every, even if it's a tour, sometimes tour directors come through to check on the shows. So just say, you know, I'm a big fan and I live in Oregon. If you're ever, if I noticed your show is coming through this theater, if you're going to be here to visit, I would love to watch a brush up rehearsal, right? Because they're always doing things like that. So I think it would just be be brave and, and try to see if you can observe. Yeah. Do you allow people to observe when you do stuff? I absolutely do. I have a very open room because mm -hmm. I feel that that is the best way to learn. And I don't think it's that easy to get into. So yeah, I'm, I have a very open room. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that with me and soon future listeners. Have a nice day. And again, thank you so much for You're coming. welcome, Lucy. Take care. Keep in touch. You, okay? you too. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Broadway Brains. I hope to catch you next week and check out Amy and all of her fun stuff. Have a nice day, guys.